Thanks for listening to the church at Severn Run Messages Podcast. You can find more information about the church at severnrun.com. Enjoy the message. The death of God. It's an offensive phrase. It's really an impossible idea. Surely God can't die. And yet, in the paradox of love, evidently he can. In Matthew 27, we're told that from the sixth hour until the ninth hour, darkness came over all of the land, the physical realm manifesting spiritual reality. And about the ninth hour, Jesus cried out in a loud voice, Eloi, Eloi, lama sabachthani, which means, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Jesus quoting the Psalms. When one of those standing there heard this, they said, he's calling Elijah. We as humans make up stuff all the time, misinterpreting God at our convenience. Immediately one of them ran and got a sponge. He filled it with wine vinegar, put it on a stick, and offered it to Jesus to drink. The rest said, hey, now leave him alone. Let's see if Elijah comes to save him. Making stuff up, missing God. And when Jesus had cried out again in a loud voice, he gave up his spirit. And at that moment, the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. The earth shook, rocks split, and the tombs were broken open, and the bodies of many holy people who had died were raised to life. They came out of the tombs, and after Jesus' resurrection, they went into the holy city and appeared to many people. And when the centurion and those with him who were guarding Jesus saw the earthquake and all that had happened, they were terrified and exclaimed, Surely this was the Son of God. The death of God. How can we even use such a phrase and... And yet that day he died. Why? What was going on in the universe that God had to die? What was going on in human culture that that we would do such a thing, that we would respond to the hand of help in such an ugly way as to nail it to wood? Matthew 27, 39 through 40 says, Those who passed by hurled insults at him. God invades a broken world, torn by death, um, divided uh, by every possible measure, and invades to love and heal and bring whole, to make alive and bring home. God invades to make alive, and, and we respond to the love of God with insults, nails, a whip and a tomb. How is it possible to see God and insult Him? Uh, The scripture goes on to say that those who passed by hurled insults at Him, shaking their heads. Now why did, why was that included? Okay, so on the realm of guilt in terms of rejecting Jesus, we probably assign the soldiers who beat Jesus a high level of guilt. We're ready to convict them 
um, and, and pass sentence on them. Clearly, they are guilty. The ones who nailed him, who put their knees on his forearm and held him, uh, the ones who, who um, raised him up, the ones who drove a spear through his side, we all would say guilty. You killed the Christ. But down the scale, down the scale, there's no less guilt. So what does it mean, those who shook their heads at him? All of us have been highly offended or expressed a, a great deal of offense uh, with the rolling of the eye or the shaking of the head. If you're married, come on, don't tell me. Don't tell me things haven't gotten cold in your house because of your subtle response to your spouse at some time, right? Because in such a response, what we're saying is, um, uh, you know, we're saying is, you're nuts, you're crazy, you're wrong. You're not even worth listening to. You're comical. And even in the rolling of the eye, there is a dismissal that happens. Oh yeah, you know it. And yet, on the scale of rejecting Jesus, no less the hand that drove the spike than the guilt of the one who shook the head. You're going to destroy the temple and build it in three days. Save yourself. Come down from the cross if you are the Son of God. Here we go again, setting up these false tests for God to fulfill our idea of what God should be, what God should do, how God should act. And if God doesn't measure up, we judge him. We reject him. We kill God. And even if our hands aren't covered in blood, they are covered in blood. You see, the reality is the death of God happened because we didn't want God intruding into our world. We didn't want God interfering with our culture. We didn't want God telling us how to be, how to act, how to love, how to, how to live our lives, our lives. This is my life. I have a right to it. And only death reveals the illusion of our own power. And even then, we are, we are so often you know, unreflective about our own impending death as to, to, to wonder if maybe there's a better way than living life in our will. Maybe we shouldn't be so quick to be offended by the God who's reaching down to save us. Maybe the hand that's reaching in the water as we are drowning and is grabbing us by the collar to lift us up, maybe we shouldn't shove that hand away. Maybe we should let that hand do its work and lift us up to breathe God's air again. Maybe the hand pumping on our chest when our heart has stopped should, should not be a hand that is unwelcomed. And maybe we shouldn't in interpret the roughness of, of the, the push as hatred, but as a sign of, of necessary love, the only way back. See, there's something inside of all of us um, about Jesus that we are offended by. Nobody ever hits their thumb and, 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 and says, oh, Buddha, 
Nobody ever, ever uses the name of Allah in the same way, in vain. Um, people can talk about God the generic, God the, you know, the, the being I can create in my own image, God the, uh, the man upstairs. There's a great phrase. Don't you ever use that around me. Because I will correct you, even at a funeral. Because he's not the man upstairs, you know. All these self-created God ideas that we pulled out of the hat uh, are, are kind of blown away by the name of Jesus. And Jesus is offensive. You can talk about God, but mention the name of Jesus, and people, whoa, well, you know, <laughs> geez, don't, don't talk about Jesus. Can't say that at work. There's something about, about God invading the world in such a particular way, in such a personal way, and that's the real point of it all. God can be distant. God can be impersonal. God can be um, a kind of distant 911 figure who's really not directing my daily life and, and, and guiding my thoughts and, and inspiring my, my actions beyond uh, you know, my, my own ideas. God doesn't do that, but Jesus, oh my gosh, Jesus is personal. And even his invitation uh, is not, know lots of things about me. No, Jesus said, follow me. You follow me. Love how I love, live how I live, care how I care, pay attention to the people I pay attention to, be around the people I'm around, those who are unacceptable, those who are, who are unclean. Whatever I do, you do. Wherever I go, you go. However I have lived, you live. And it's very personal and very intrusive and, and very offensive to the human will and human pride. You see, when God invaded our space and our time, um, you know, we, we are instantly polarized into one of two responses. Either we are attracted to this salvation of God and, and, and it just sticks. I mean, you know, there's just this, power that pushes us, you know, and, and, and we say, that's right. We who are drowning underwater and the hands lifting us up, we say, air is good to breathe. We whose hearts have stopped and there's no life left in us and we feel the hand on our chest, we say, yes, I, I would like my heart to beat again. And, and we say, yes to God, there's something right to this. Or the more common response, and I would say even in churches, is that we are repelled by the intrusion of God, the interference of God in our will, in our life, in, in our wanting. And there's something inside of us that, that rejects. And sometimes we reject in, in outright uh, bitter, angry ways. But it is a rejection no less when it is subtle, passive-aggressive, or simply rejection through just disobedience. The death of God as the suffering of God ought to make you wonder. Nothing else in this world can explain um, or answer the suffering uh, that has happened all through human history. Only the suffering of God is sort of like a, a window into the endless night sky that we can look up in and, and see and then realize there's more beyond and more beyond and more beyond. In the suffering of God, there is an infinite answer to, to our hurt. And in the death of God, and in the death of God alone is the answer to death on planet Earth.
Scripture reveals that God the infinite became finite. God the eternal took a place in time. Uh, God the spirit took on a body. God the holy bore our sin. God the the perfect uh, interacted with us as imperfect all to suffer and die. And in the most paradoxical way to beat suffering and to conquer death. What is our response to this intrusion of God? Do we need the saving? Or are we okay with the suffering? Do we want death answered? Or do we want to simply live in denial and pretend that it's not going to happen to us? So we assign guilt to those who held the hammer and and put the spear in Jesus' side, to those who were there that day and screamed hate in Jesus' face. We assign guilt to those rejectors of God, but we need to see that there is no difference between them and us. Because either we gladly uh, live Jesus or we're killing off his work in the world the same way they did. And either we're living our lives in welcome celebration of Jesus, him living resurrected in us, or we are actively and, 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 and passive aggressively living our lives to block the message of Jesus, to shut it down, to oppose it, to say it's not real, it's not right, uh, it isn't the answer. And there's nothing in between. Oh, sure, we say, I have no blood on my hands. No, 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 no. When you and I reject the will of God, we're, we're killing Jesus just as they did. It's no difference. And please don't ever, ever, ever blame the Jews for killing Jesus. Because it wasn't the Jews who killed Jesus, it was the Jews and the Mees. In Europe, um, every time there was a passion play and, and the, um, the passion of Christ was, was illustrated, there would often, um, well, every and often, most of the time there would be a pogrom afterwards. There would be a persecution of the Jews as Christ killers. Let's, let's, let's kill those people who killed Christ. Oh, or how slow can you be to, to kill people who killed Christ you, you, you killed Christ. You're going to kill yourself? You see, in the, in the death of God, there is a paradox and a mystery. The, the reality is that, that, that we're either living Jesus gladly or we're killing off his work in the world. To live Jesus gladly is what Colossians 3, 4 is about. When Christ, who is your life, He's not a part of your life. He's not a decoration. He's, he's, he's not just an influence. He is your life. All in. And then you will also appear with him in glory. And, and this term glory is not a churchy term. It is a soul deep term. It is something that you and I long for in the depths of our souls. We long for the experience of glory. Ultimate good. And either that is our response to Jesus, to where we are just stuck and attracted 
or we're there in Mark 8, 38. If anyone is ashamed of me and my words, Jesus said. To be ashamed of, um, it's really, shame is one of the most corrosive uh, feelings, emotions there is in, in, the, in the human color palette. I mean, when, when we feel ashamed of ourselves, we're not just embarrassed, we're not just um, uh, sorry or sad. There's something deeper than that. When we are ashamed of ourselves, it's like we have no right to exist. Our existence is wrong. When we are ashamed, it, it's, it has to do with our being. It's ontological. When we are ashamed, it's, it's like there is a, it's, it's acid on the soul. And, and Jesus said, anyone who, who looks at me and says, you're not right. You know, the, you, you're, you're embarrassing. You shouldn't be. Anyone who says that of me and my words, my words, all that I teach, all that I, that I, I say to you, I, I'm not merely speaking to educate your head. I'm calling you to live my life. I am the word of God and I'm, I'm giving myself to live in you that, that you might be my word to the world. So, so if you're ashamed of me or my words, you're embarrassed to be known as a Christian, you're, you're some kind of a secret agent Christian, oh, I follow Jesus but nobody knows it, then here's what's gonna happen. You don't own me in the world. You don't live me in the world. Uh, you don't stand up for me in the world. You don't, you don't live me at home. You don't live me at work. You, you, uh, you shut me out. You oppose me. You mock me. You minimize what I came to do, the work I came to do in your, in your life, in your family's life, as a husband, a wife, a father, a son, a daughter. You're going to minimize all that. Then here's what's going to happen to you. In this adulterous and sinful generation, the Son of Man was going to come again. He's going to be ashamed when he comes in his Father's glory with the holy angels. You see, the death of Jesus is the centerpiece of, of human history. It is the ultimate clash separating the will of God and the will of man. And when God invaded our time and space with his Son, we responded with with. With death, we responded by hatred and rejection. And there is a paradox in the killing of, of, of Jesus. You see, God killed Jesus to bring him in. Isaiah 53, 5 says, He was pierced for our transgressions. So, so God didn't do this for himself. It was for us. There was something in it for us. He was crushed for our iniquities. Uh, so all that we've done wrong, Jesus was the answer to. All that was broken inside of us, Jesus is the, the healer to. And the punishment that brought us peace was upon him, and by his wounds we are healed. The good of God was revealed in the death of God. And I don't know how you dive to the end of those waters. And yet God killed Jesus. Verse 10 in Isaiah 53 says it was the Lord's will to crush him and to cause him to suffer. Uh, and those are hard words to wrap your head around. How could that possibly be true, God? Though the Lord makes his life a guilt offering, we were the ones who were guilty and yet Jesus paid the price. Jesus was the substitute um, for our sin and he paid the price and we go free. And yet even in this, he will see his offspring and prolong his days and the, Lord, the, Lord, the will of the Lord will prosper in his hand. Why would God 
want to cause himself such suffering. To be in your life. To be in your pain. To be in the insanity of your own out of control, um, you know, that, that, that impulse, that spirit, that, that side of you that, that is so pulled down by gravity that, that just, you know, to be in all of the dark in your life, to be in the woundedness of your life. God died to be in your life. All of it, what you call good and what you call bad, God died to be in. And he came in the world to be in you in ways that are deeper and, 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 and greater than you and I have ever imagined. God killed Jesus to bring him in. And as Jesus came into the world, we responded by rejecting him and saying no to him and trying to control him. Colossians 3, 19 through 20 says, For God was pleased to have all his fullness in him and through him to reconcile to himself. You see, there's, there is separation before and now there's in after. All things to reconcile, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. Where, where before there was our hostility towards God and God's rightful condemnation and judgment on our sin, our arrogance. Now there is peace through Christ. He is the bridge. That God might be in us and we might be in Christ. No longer alone. No longer hopeless, no longer living as though some other drug could answer our, our, our hurt, as though one more sexual experience could, could be what finally you know, makes life right. No longer just living life searching for meaning. Now meaning has found us and lives in us and purpose lives in us and significance lives in us. So we got nothing to prove to nobody because God has already proved our worth in Christ. Colossians 1, 13 through 14 says, For he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness. God came into our darkness and he brought us into the kingdom of the Son he loves. He brought us into the kingdom of the Son he loves. In whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. God killed Jesus to bring him in. Why did we kill him? We killed Jesus to keep him out. We killed him because he was offensive, because he was intrusive, because he interfered. We killed him because we didn't think this was the right way God should be God. We, we killed him because we wanted what we wanted. We, we killed Jesus to keep him from messing with our lives. We put God in a box. And we not only did it then with the same guilt as those whose literal blood was on their hands, our rejection is their rejection. Our embarrassment from Jesus is, is their insult of Jesus. Our living our lives not revealing Jesus is the exact same as their living their lives, um, you know, rejecting his message. It's all the same. We kill Jesus to keep him out of our lives. 
And every time we put our fingers in our ears to, to the message of, of the salvation of Christ in the gospel, we are, in this act, we are doing the exact same thing as those who took the whip and laid it on his back. The soldiers who beat him to within an inch of his life. It's all the same. It's all saying to God, don't need you. Don't want you. You can't come in. The truth is, until we're gladly yielding our will to Jesus, we're actively opposing Jesus. Actively opposing. There is no middle line. There is no, oh, I'm not them. No, 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 no. you and I are them. And in the big picture, we are, we are uh, you know, uh, we are cosmically raising our hand to God and saying, stay out, stay out of my life. Leave me alone. And sometimes we do that with a hateful anger. Sometimes it's nicer. A lot of times it's very religious in church. Oh God, I'll come and, and hear some stuff about you, but you're not getting my life. You're not getting my will. I'm not going to die so that you can live in me. I, I'm, I'm going to control you. I'm going to keep you in a box, God. And I'll decide how much you come out in my marriage. I'll decide who I forgive. You're staying in the box, God. I'll decide who I forgive, I'll decide who I love, I'll decide where I go, I'll decide what I do with my time, it's my life. So God, you stay in the confines uh, of my sinful imagination and, and, uh, and I'll call you when I need you. John 3.19 says, this is the verdict that light came into the world, but men loved darkness instead of light because their deeds were evil. There's a part of all of us that loves the dark. There's a part of all of us that loves the dark either in active rebellion and, and uh, you know, we, we, the pleasures of sin and what it offers. We think that's where real life is found, you know, the, 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 the thrill of the, and then you fill in the blank with whatever, whether it's a drug high or a, or a sexual high or something else. We, we think that in the dark uh, we can find something that's more alive. The other side of the dark is some of us love the dark because we just love having a pity party there feeling sorry for ourselves. And some of us love the dark because it's just so familiar. It's just home. It's where I live. It's all I can be. I can't be any better than this. I'm stuck. But lights come into the world. And we don't have to keep it out. But all of us have had a hand on the hammer. All of us have picked up the nail and driven it through Jesus' flesh as we have rejected his will for our lives. And every no that we say to God is our hand on the hammer. Every, every, um, you know, every sin we love and won't let go of is our mocking of Jesus, our, our uh, insult to the, the bleeding son of God. And we kill Jesus in our lives. We kill his work. We kill the work of the Holy Spirit. We kill, we, we kill the work of Jesus in our lives to keep him out. And that's got to stop. The issue is the will of God. We either let Jesus in 
and yield to the will of God over our own, or we say no to the will of God and we live our own will and we just continue trying to kill Jesus and keep him out until we see how, how unnecessarily we, we failed. Because you can't stop the resurrection. The issue is obedience. We obey Father without limits or we put his son in a box. We kill him in our speech or we kill his work at home where God wants to use you to be the one who brings light and joy and life into your home. Your home ought to be a place of peace. And if your home is hell, um, I, I get that. You can't control everything. I really, really do get that. But, but it ought not ought to be you that's bringing hell into your home. You ought to be the one bringing Jesus. Whatever it costs, whatever it takes, you ought to be the one paying attention to other hurting family members. You ought to be the one. You have to be Jesus. And if you say no to being Jesus in your home, to your parents, to your kids, to your, to your siblings, if you say no to the call of God on your life, then, then you're opposing the work of Jesus just like those soldiers. John 14, 23, Jesus said, all who love me will do what I say. All who love themselves will do what they want. But for those who love me, whose hearts resonate with my message and my love, who, who do not slap away my saving hand as I reach to, to them underwater and lift them out, who who do not hate me for the, the hand that I put on their chest to revive their heart that feels rough in the moment but is necessary, then my Father will love him and we're going to come and make our home with him. We're going to live in you. <laughs> Guys, either we're living Jesus gladly, gladly, gladly in joy, ever-increasing joy and peace, or we're killing off his work in our lives in ourselves and in, and in the world. So here's what I want you to do. Today, on the edge of Easter, choose your side. Choose your side. Either live as a witness to the resurrection, let Jesus live through you beautifully, or just face the truth that you're living as a witness for the prosecution. Just yelling and, and pointing out what a fraud Jesus really is. Let Jesus in. Yield to the joy of the will of God in Christ. Make up your mind today that you're going to choose unashamedly to say yes to Jesus. Not just God generic. Jesus. He is the Son of God. He is God in flesh revealed to you. He is the one who's looking you in the eye and saying, you follow me. I've got a better way. I will lead you forward. He's the one who's placed a call on your life that, that isn't the American dream. It's the dream of God. And today you have to say yes or you have to say no because, because you're either going to, 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 to put him in a box 
and, and, and try to kill him off or, or you're going to let him free in your life and, and life is going to be different from you and life is going to be different for the people who know you because Jesus is alive in you forevermore. Amen. So I'm going to ask you today, choose your side. I'm going to ask you today to make a move. In just a second, I'm going to pray a very short prayer. When I say make a move, I mean make a move. Don't stand still. I'm going to ask you that if you do not know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, that you make your way up here because you're not ashamed of Jesus and, and what God has done in the world. And, and you let one of these people know, you, you say something like this, I want to accept Jesus. And, 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 and that you kneel here, that, that you make a move, that, that, that if you're living in the dark, that you, you go to the candles, the tables, for instance, and you light a candle and say, Jesus, symbolically, I'm not going to live in the dark any longer. If you're stuck in the dark and, and don't believe you can be forgiven, then I'm going to ask you to make a move and, and, and go to the table symbolizing forgiveness. And, 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 and watch what happens when you put your sin on the paper and drop it in the water. I'm going to ask you to make a move today. Choose your side. If you are for Jesus, then, then have communion with him. If you are for Jesus, then, then go to the cross and place your hand on it. And, and there, just remember the love that died that day to be in you. So choose your side. <laughs> and live gladly <laughs> for Jesus. Stand with me, please, and then make your move. Father, in the name of Jesus, I'm asking that today we would yield, today that we would say yes to the beauty of all that you've done. And Father, that, that the work that you did in Jesus, in his dying, would, would result in, in not the work of us further killing him off, but the work of, of his resurrection to live beautifully and freely and joyfully in us from this day forward. Father, today... We choose. In Jesus' name, as all God's people say, amen. If you enjoyed today's message, feel free to share it with your friends. As we like to say, love well, live Jesus, and believe big.